Hello, and welcome to our midweek Brotherly Love Eagles podcast. Joined, as always, by my brother. And this week, we're starting off with my mom after such a dramatic win. We're both, all three of us are still recovering. So, mom, take us through it. We want to know, how are you feeling throughout the game? So, let's let's start when they're up 14-0, but you feel like they should be up more. Correct. And I, I was beginning to get very nervous at that point. Because it's the Eagles. Whatever can go wrong, will. <laughs> it's that's Murphy's law. <laughs> so when did you start when did you start thinking things were when was the moment where you thought we were definitely losing the game? When uh the Giants scored 21 points in 5 something minutes, I was hysterical. Well, so what were you doing specifically? Were you yelling at the TV? No, I started vacuuming. <laughs> Yeah, it's therapy. So anytime the Eagles are not playing well, mom goes to the vacuum. So you literally started <laughs> vacuuming? Yes, it, it's my only therapy. So when you're vacuuming, are you still watching the game? No. No, at that point, it's on, but I can't hear anything. And I'm just an emotional wreck. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you return? So I returned and I go, it's the same old Eagles. You get all pumped up. You think it's going to be a different season, but no, it's going to the dogs. <laughs> so when specifically though, so you're vacuuming, so then you don't hear the game. So when do you return to watch it on the on TV? I just said, I might as well watch it. I know what's going to happen. It's either we're going to go, we're going to lose, or it's going to go into overtime and we're going to lose. <laughs> Did you see them scored tied up at 21? Yes. Yes, I saw that. But still, I go, oh my God, it's going to go into overtime. And you know, that's a loss right there. And of course, we're going to lose. Of course. So the Giants kicked the field goal to go 24-21 after that weird play where it looks like the Eagles are going to give up a touchdown. So we get lucky there. Then we marched down the field, a tying field goal with a questionable pass interference call to get the field goal. So then, 61-yard field goal. You're watching for the 61-yard field goal. Yes, I'm watching and I go, this kid is never going to make that. That's an impossibility. Wait, wait. And at, at this point, has dad like emerged from the basement after <laughs> oh, running no, errands no, no, the no. whole game? <laughs> He's been watching, but in another room. But I can hear a lot of cursing <laughs> because, you know, he, he and I cannot watch the game together. Yes, uh, we know. That, that's, that's... That, that leads to a lot of discord. Yes, because we know dad it knows more than all the Eagles coaches combined. And I'm, I'm sure he said something like after the game, like, I, I knew they should have tried the kick instead of um, the Hail Mary. Yes, he did. He, he praised the coach for doing that. Wow. He said that was exactly the right move. Well, there you go. That's what Greg Cosell said as well. He said he hates it when people go for the Hail Mary that you have a better shot with a long field goal. But were you like us and every other Eagles fan that thought it was going to be a short field goal and then Odell was going to take it back for a touchdown? Of course. <laughs> I go, that is like a two-man team. Eli Manning and Odell. They don't even need anybody else. Which is an, which is another way of saying it's a one man team. Yes. Well, you gotta give. Why e isn't he on the Eagles? Well, you gotta give Eli credit because I I didn't think he I thought he played pretty well and then I was listening to the Fran Duffy Greg Cosell podcast and Greg Cosell and Fran Duffy both said that throw that Eli had to Shepard for that long touchdown was an incredible throw. So back to the 61 yard field goal. So he kicks it and it's good. What do you do? I'm jumping up and down. And for me, I'm not a youngster anymore. That's the way to see. So you jump up down. Did you did you 
yell out? Did you scream? Because GT and I both screamed very loudly. Yes, I was screaming. I was screaming. I was just, I was just so happy because it either makes your whole week when they win or you're depressed the rest of the week because it's a loss. So I go, I can be happy the entire week. Now, when, when these things happen, do you think the Eagles are still cursed? I am so unsure because we've never won a Super Bowl. So I try not to get excited about the Eagles this early in the season because I feel like I'm a pessimist. My hopes will be dashed. It's just a matter of time. Plus, you know, reg- regular season miracles, you know, don't break the curse. Okay, they have to be postseason miracles. Gotta, it's gotta be a, it's gotta be a postseason miracle. Well, GT, I have a postseason miracle for you. Fourth and twenty-six <laughs> against the Packers. Were you were you around or you were around? But are you too young to yeah, remember that, that? No, that was like two thousand three. Yeah, I think it was two thousand four. Two thousand four. It, it was the year before they went to the Super Bowl. Favre was still kicking it around, and they and they were dominating the Eagles in the second half, especially. And we had it seemed like we had no shot, and somehow we stayed in the game. And that was the miracle above all miracles. I remember being in a bar in LA and singing the song All We Need Is a Miracle on 4th and 26. <laughs> and then Fred mom X. and then funny story, mom flew out to LA. That was the same bar you we went to for the first playoff game Super Bowl run. Yes, I th- I had some much fun that day. So the other the other things that come to mind is maybe we're just cursed in general, but not against the Giants. Because Miracle in the Meadowlands, Giants. Deshaun Jackson, punt return to end the game after we have that huge Miracle comeback against the Giants. Now, 61-year-old field goal against the Giants. I never thought of that. That's just another thing that I have to start worrying about. (laughs) So, Mom, when they went for it on 4th and 8, what were you thinking? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know these technical things. I just worry about... 4th and (laughs) 8? It's not very technical. Were you mad because that was one of the things that everybody was mad at, at Doug about. Although a couple of young, uh, younger writers seem to defend him. They say, if you're going to be the fourth fourth down guy who always goes for it, you have to be consistent with that. So it sounds like you weren't as upset as GT and I with the fourth and eight call. Well, for me too, it, but I'm not against going for it on fourth down at midfield, but your chances of getting it go down significantly when it's like longer than fourth and seven. So even like the people who are defending him say like, oh, the advanced stats say, you know, most of the time you'll end up ahead on points because you'll get like a field goal out of it, yes. right? It's like 51% of the time you'll get the bar- ball far-, far enough to kick a field goal. So that's worth like one and a half points. But that assumes you you get like, you know, over a hundred observations that plays out. But on a single outcome, you never know. Well, as our boy Ray Didinger said, he said, I, I understand statistics are now a part of the game, but you have to think about it situationally. And sometimes the t- t- statistics don't think about it situationally. And in that case, you know, I think it was it was a bit aggressive, especially with where we were in that point in the game and how well the defense was playing up to that point. So, Mom, do you think Doug Peterson is a good coach? I thought he was a good coach in that game because he ran the ball more. And there wasn't so much passing. So I gave him a B for that game. Okay, so you give him a B for that game because he had a better run-pass balance, which has been one of the big criticisms. But do you think fans and media are too hard on him? No. We can never be too hard on a coach until they win the <laughs> Super Bowl for us. Okay, so only good coach to you means you have to win a Super Bowl. That's correct. Okay, so Doug Peterson, 
you have a lot of pressure on you because the only way you're going to be considered a good coach by Philadelphia fans is if you win a Super Bowl. Well, what was his letter grade last week, Mom? That was a D. D. Barely. <laughs> I don't even know if that's passing anymore. <laughs> not in the Graham household. Not, certainly not in the Graham household. <laughs> so there was vi- video that came out of they had Carson Wentz mic'd up for the final field goal. And he said to a teammate, I'll give him my entire paycheck if he makes it. Entire week's game paycheck if he makes it. Do you think he owes Jake Elliott the money now? I think... Carson is such a good guy. I think he will go the money, but I think Elliot should just say, you take me out to dinner. What do you think, GT? I think it's a little more than $31,000 for the game check. If it were me, that's totally something I would say, and then the day after, immediately regret it. But <laughs> I think I think Carson's a man of his word. It'll be interesting to see, because I wonder if anybody will pick that up to say, hey, Carson, are you going to give him the money? In the heat of the moment, I'll promise you anything. I think, Mom, that's a pretty fair compromise. or like a really good gift. Like a $300 gift certificate to Wegmans. <laughs> would be dope. With all the sugar homemade sugar cookies you want. Yeah, and like a $50 gift card to Wawa. That'd be, that'd be heaven for Greg. Greg is our dad, by the way. Well, that was our segment with our mom. As you can see, she's all fired up as we are. We're fired up each week. Brotherly Love Eagles podcast. Not Brotherly Love podcast. Like I always say, there is there is a Brotherly Love podcast out there. I'm sure they're good guys, but we're Brotherly Love Eagles podcast. And the way we get an audience is, is through iTunes ratings. So please rate us on iTunes. We enjoy doing this. And if you have any feedback, send it our way. So anyway, usually we say what we got wrong. Looking at all the analysis, we got most of it right this week. Besides me calling Greg Cosell, Greg Callis at first because I got <laughs> Harry Callis, the legend uh, Phillies announcer with Greg Cosell mixed up. So you uh, turned them into one super I apologize person. to that to Greg Cosell. Um, and then thanks to uh, Fran Duffy for giving us the shout out after I gave them a great rating on iTunes because, you know, for the technical stuff, I think they do a fantastic job. And, you know, if you haven't listened to that, that podcast, it's Eagles Eye in the Sky, but it's like different. But if you look up Philadelphia Eagles, it's the number one rated Philadelphia Eagles podcast and they do a great job of getting deep into the weeds of, of the technical side of things but one thing that they that they did point out that we had pointed out is deep, deep throws from Wentz are, are, an, are an issue that needs to be addressed. Yeah Co- Cosell seemed to his vibe on this week's podcast seemed to think he thought it was fixable they need to really get to work quickly on his deep ball accuracy. But he was saying just like I did that it was definitely becoming a trend and he was missing it too consistently and it wasn't just a one game problem that it's been an issue all season so i know you were annoyed with this but i read several it seemed like the younger writers especially defended the fourth and eighth call what what, what was your feeling on that yeah i was totally with dinger and you know he like you said gave kind of due deference to the importance of using analytics but i think he's right that when you take the context into account your opponent the the time in the game the situation and like the risk reward trade-off was just like the wrong decision even if the agnostic play was if you run that you know fourth and eight call a hundred times you get it like i said you get it 52 out of 100 and then end up kicking a field goal and you end up with like one and a half points but as we saw like we almost surrendered seven points so like in that context i feel like peterson made the wrong call so you, even on like cataldi's show they brought up the point that you know it's peterson's job to take the the insight from the analytics and ultimately 
decide whether or not to deploy it or not, depending on the situation. And in that context, I feel like he made the wrong call. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think when you see it for what it was in the game at that moment without how well the defense was playing, I get the point that you might not gain much field position inside the 20. We're usually pretty good about that on punts. So in that case, let's make a march down the field 7 nothing at that point. You know, But again, then it leads to the original argument that Carson should have hit Jeffrey for the touchdown to be up 14 nothing. That You brought it up just now. The one counter-argument from the youngins that they were making is like, well, if you punt there and you don't get the touchback, uh, the Giants are on the 20-yard line and we were on the Giants 42, so it's only like a 22-yard position change. And I immediately thought, well, like 22 yards with like two minutes to go is pretty significant. And also, you know, when we're executing... You know, our special teams is probably more often than not able to pin it inside the 20. So I didn't buy that piece of the argument that it was an insignificant kind of like territorial chunk we were we were putting the Giants behind. And then another thing that we didn't get wrong necessarily, but something we definitely need to address is the Darren Sproles injury. We, we had touched on it just to make a point quickly moving to the defensive side since that was the bigger issue in this specific game since the run game was still was still pretty dominant even without Sproles. It's sad to see such an awesome player throughout his career with such a devastating injury on one play. We saw it we, we saw it with the wrist. You could see the wrist, but that he also tore his ACL is pretty incredible considering how how much Darren Sproles in his career avoided the injuries. You know, we always said we love that little guy. We love that little munchkin. Those are things we used to always <laughs> like to say. We used to say we love that little effer, which was what we used to say the most. But the guy had an amazing career. I hope I hope he ends it on his terms is what I said on our Facebook page, you know, because right. it's hard in those situations. Maybe he'll pull Steve Smith because he's supposed to retire at the end of this year. Maybe he'll come back for one more season. But I didn't want to make light of that. Darren Sproles' amazing NFL career did – some great things throughout his career and you know I feel bad for him that you know it had to end that way so hopefully like I said he ends it on his terms anything that you thought we got right or we got wrong that that was a good call out on the Sproles piece in my own self-interest the thing that worries me the most about losing Sproles is in like the punt return game I don't know if I'm as concerned with like the impact on the running game. Yeah, I, I don't still, know what you think. I still think I mean he's an awesome third down back and he's he's he still seems to have that quickness that it's hard to stop in those situations. So coming out of the backfield on third down, I, we'll see we'll see Wendell Smallwood seems seems like the obvious choice to pick up that slack and everybody's been saying he needs to be a big part of the the Eagles offense moving forward even before the Sproles injury so hopefully he keeps stepping up like he has been and then everybody was saying defensive injuries everybody's still worried about that uh everybody was making the point that I was making on our podcast that you lose your best defensive lineman you lose your best linebacker two of your two of your best players are secondary are out it's hard to it's hard to plug those holes after a while so hopefully Fletcher Cox can come back this week he's day-to-day right now we'll get final word either today or tomorrow if he's playing this week but it sounds like it'd be a really big loss going into this week because it sounds like one of the weaknesses of the Chargers is in the interior line so not having Cox would be a big loss for the Eagles so how are you feeling about this week against the Chargers are you nervous at all <laughs> 
I, I'm one of I'm one, I'm one of those people that's like a big Phil Rivers apologist. Even though he kind of had a disastrous game last week, he seems to have like one of those games periodically. So I'm a little nervous that like Phil Rivers will kind of return to form next week. And depending on like the state of our secondary, he's the type of guy, right? Who he's obviously like one of the best at like pre-snap. So it won't. Yeah, Greg like, Cosell said he's as good as anybody out there, including you know Peyton Manning. Yeah, so it'll all come down to our front seven and how much pressure we and disruption we're able to create. So that's like the wild card I'm nervous about. And and they also talked pretty extensively just about like the exterior pass rush of like Bosa and Melvin Ingram uh, again going against our offense. Um, I'm not as worried about that for some reason, just because I think Wentz has evasive abilities, but I am worried about Rivers. So I think it'll I think it'll be a tight game regardless. Game close game for them last week. It was 17-10 pretty much until the end of the fourth quarter. And then right. you know, Rivers, like you said, didn't play well at all. You know, you have to give Kansas City credit on defense for that since the, you know they were pretty they were pretty good against us as well. And yeah, like you said, Joey Bosa, you know, reminds me of Houston on Kansas City who dominated, so hopefully he doesn't have the game like Houston did. Right. But it'll be fun to see the the crowd in San Diego because I'm thinking 85% Eagles fans. So it'll feel like a home game. Uh, it, it seemed to be about 50-50 last week with the Chiefs, maybe 60-40, you know, Chargers to Chiefs fans. I think the percentage will be much higher with the, with the Eagles fans inundating <laughs> inundating Carson. We're trying to get in on it. It's a work in progress. You know, we might have a remote we might have a remote podcast or we might have our usual from the comfort of our own couches. We'll see. <laughs> so any final thoughts before we before we sign off? Yeah, I just hope that, you know, I I think we will I think we will win if schematically we stick we stick to the run schemes we had introduced against the Giants cuz i i think there we we can kind of build an advantage against the Chargers defense so i think if we do that i think if Dougie P doesn't get too philosophically sucked into to throwing the ball I think we'll be in good shape for Sunday. The key will be this is the week that Carson needs to hit, needs to hit on one of those deep balls. Yeah. If he can finally hit on one of those deep balls, I'll have a much better feeling about it. But if he keeps missing those throws, it's fine. It's going to come back to haunt us at some point. As we as we said on on the Sunday podcast, if you don't make those throws for wide for wide open receivers in the NFL, that's going to come back to haunt you because you can't miss wide open receivers in the NFL. You can't get away and, with it like you can in college. And you won't beat elite elite competition well the chargers are zero and three i don't know about elite but like you no said, i just mean <laughs> down the road yeah you know true <laughs> exactly and like you said rivers is a wily veteran and <laughs> wily veterans seem to always do good against eagles defenses that's our kryptonite <laughs> so with that that's our midweek eagles podcast uh thanks for joining us and we'll uh, see you on sunday hopefully with three and one not two and two